Please stand for the call to worship. 
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness that is we fail to do justice love mercy and walk humbly with him we deceive ourselves and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. So let us confess our sins to God, trusting in his abundant mercy and everlasting love for us. Let us pray. O oh God, you call out to us saying, here I am, but we do not listen. You pour out on us spiritual gifts, but we do not discern them. You call us to build a more just society but we cling to our advantages. Forgive us, we pray, and help us to change. Help us so to know and understand Jesus Christ that we might reflect the God of glory in our daily living. Create in us a generosity that reflects your own. Pour out your spirit on this congregation that we might understand 
and use it to build and repair and restore. In Jesus' name, amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, hear the good news. At some time, each one of us has been lost in many different ways, but now we are indeed found, and not simply found, but rejoiced over, cherished, and beloved. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have come home. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. believers in Jesus Christ across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here as we look forward to the fog being burned off by the sun. Maybe we'll see the sun today. We're glad that you're with us this morning and thankful especially if you happen to be visiting with us and we are delighted that you're here and perhaps you've come to us from far away or maybe close at hand, but regardless, we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome. One way to welcome you is to sign, to pass the friendship pads along to your neighbor and uh, this is not... Uh, merely an attendance tool. This is not your way to get to heaven. <laughs> it is a way for us to be able to see names and attach those to faces and hopefully to be a prompt for you to have some conversation after our service today. Perhaps you saw some young men in uniform walking to, into the sanctuary this morning. Today's Boy Scout Sunday, so we celebrate with all of our Boy Scouts and uh, we're grateful. You can identify them, of course, by their uniforms, but uh, let's have anybody who has been a Boy Scout stand up. Oh, look at all those Boy Scouts, huh? I tell you. I won't be asking about the Eagle Scout thing, but I'll, I'll, we are uh, delighted to be able to celebrate uh, that important group of people. We uh, want to encourage you always to study the bulletin and find out ways by which you can be a part of our life here. There will be an information meeting on our pilgrimage to Scotland and Narnia, Oxford, London, and all those good places that would take place in June. And if you'd like to learn more, coming this coming Monday, tomorrow at 6.30 over in the chapel, uh, please come and join us for that. Later in the month, on February the 25th, we'll be having a student sponsorship dinner and dance, and it will be a chance for us to say thank you to those of you who have been uh, student sponsors who have just signed up. You still have the opportunity to do that uh, by just writing a check out to the church for $100 and, uh, and noting student sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor a student uh, as they participate in their summer trips, mission trips, as well as fellowship trips, we would love for you to do that. Uh, or you can go online and give that way. So we would love for you to help us out with that effort, but February the 25th, we'll be having our student sponsorship dinner. I got to do something this week I have never done and may never do again. <laughs> and that is I got to attend a 104th birthday party. Claire Mater, our dear sister in Christ, who lives over at Bay Village, celebrated her 104th birthday this past week. So we all need to say happy. She's watching on TV right now. And I know so because when I saw her, she said, you, you grew your hair long. So anyway, <laughs> she holds me, my feet to the fire. So let's not sing happy birthday. Let's just say happy birthday, Claire, on three, okay? Hat on three. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Claire. Boy. There's a good reason why I don't leave things here, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's wonderful. We're glad for uh, her wonderful life with us. We are gra grateful as well to begin into our stewardship season, uh, this generosity season here at Church of the Palms. February, we begin to focus on all of our ministry opportunities for 2017 and how you can support them. 
And uh, you'll be receiving soon, uh, if you've not already, a brochure about our generosity, Love Is campaign, and thinking about all the many ways by which love is real and prevalent here at Church of the Palms. And uh, we hope that when you do receive your commitment card, and there are some available in your pew, and we receive those commitment cards at the end of February, on February the 26th, that you will have given some thought, prayer, and reflection upon your own gratitude for what God has done in your life, because generosity is an opportunity to respond to a God who first loved us. So we're going to be telling generosity, thanksgiving, gratitude stories over the course of this uh, month so that we can reflect upon what God has done for us. We're delighted to have the Nippert family here with us today. Come on up to the pulpit, and we'd love for you to share with us your own gratitude story. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Linda Nippert. My husband is Jason. My daughter is Reese, and my son is Parker. You can usually find us in the far back of the church because that's where I'm way more comfortable. But Steve asked me to share my gratitude story, and here I am. I'm thankful for many reasons. I'm thankful for the preschool. I'm thankful for the children's ministries. I'm thankful for the many friends that I've met, and I'm thankful for our great leadership here at Church of the Palms. But what I'm most thankful for is all of you. You have all prayed for our daughter. In May, Reese was diagnosed with chronic regional pain syndrome. CRPS is an extremely painful sympathetic nerve disorder that causes spasms, extreme sensitivity, skin changes, lack of circulation, temperature change, and can often be debilitating. It's considered to be one of the most painful long-term conditions there is. Reese was unable to walk for three months. She was in severe pain. She's gone to many specialists, gone through intense physical therapy, occupational therapy, psychology. She's had three spinal blocks, and she was in the pain management program at Nemers Children's Hospital in Orlando for a month. I can't explain the sadness and stress we all felt seeing her suffer. And there were moments when Jason and I felt like there was no hope and unanswered questions for our daughter's future. There was moments where I held Parker where he uncontrollably sobbed for his sister. But we realized we had to give this to God and we had to ask for prayers and we trusted that God would take care of her. While she's made great strides towards regaining a normal life and getting her pain under control, she still has a lot of work to do to go to um, complete remission. So when Steve asked me to come to my uncomfortable area in the front of church to, to share my gratitude story, how could I say no? Your prayers gave us hope when no hope seemed possible. And for that, our family will be eternally grateful. Thank you, and here's Reese. Hello, my name is Reese Nipper. I've been here at the Church of the Palms ever since I was a little baby. My parents say I always had a relationship with God, and I was always a Christian. And I grow stronger because of this church. So I'm here to say thank you for all of you guys done for me. First, for my stuffed animal drive, it was a huge success. But what's helped me the most is all the prayers you gave for me over the summer. 
At first when I got RSD, I felt I blamed God because I felt weak and useless. But the longer I have it, the more my relationship grows with God. Every time I'm crying or in serious pain, God comes in my room, touches my leg, and makes me feel better, and I say a prayer with him. After I was on the prayer list, I automatically felt better, and my relationship with my family, friends, and Christ improved. Thank you very much, and I love you all. Bill Hybels once said that the local church is the hope of the world. And if you think that what you're being a part of Church of the Palms means, and if you wonder if it really makes any difference, hopefully stories such as the Nippers will convince you again that our fellowship and our fellowship in Christ makes all the difference in the world, not only to us individually here within the church, but certainly to the world outside. So we're grateful. Thank you for sharing your story. And we're thankful that we have the opportunity to serve an amazing God. To that end, let us respond to God's generosity to us by presenting our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, we each day live and enjoy our lives in your abundant grace. In this moment in worship, we bring all our gifts and tithings and ourselves to you as a token of our love for you and for our neighbor. Bless these so that your kingdom may be expanded near and far. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated as Carol and our children come forward. Good morning, everyone. I'm not Carol, but I'll be doing the children's moment. <laughs> there she is. Scoot in the middle. We got something special. Scoot in the middle. You're going to be meeting Jesus. There you go. There you go. Little head. Guys, right up there. All right, so today we're going to be reading about a story from God's true words. So does anyone know where God's true words come from or where we can find them? Here's a hint. Anyone know? The Bible. Good job. <laughs> and does anyone know what it means to be in the military? Sounds a little tougher. Hands raised if you know it. Yeah, Mary. It means you serve our country. Yeah, that's a really good answer. So yeah, of course, these people are protecting our country. So today, we're reading a story in the book of Luke about an officer. And I go to the military academy, so this is how we salute our officers. Can everyone do that? Salute. And let's hear what our officer has to say. I've heard Jesus is in our area, but one of my workers is very sick. And I know it's not the cold or the flu. I'm getting very concerned. I believe in Jesus, and I know that he can heal him, but I'm Gentile, and I'm different from him and his Jewish friends, but I know he could heal my worker. The friend went to go speak with Jesus. This officer sends you a message. Don't, you don't, you don't go out of the way to help him or anything. Like, don't go to his house. He's not, he's, he's not Jewish. He's not really worthy, but he does have great faith in you. He knows if you say, be healed, that his worker will be healed. This is awesome. This is the greatest faith I've ever seen. Jesus went and healed the worker. You know why? It's because Jesus loved his people and healed this man because his father, God, gave him the authority and the power to do so. And guess what, guys? This is still happening today. Jesus is still healing people each and every day. And you might wonder how. Well, it's because he gives us the opportunities to love each other, and that helps to heal a broken heart. Just like the officer who was a Gentile, Jesus invites all of us into God's family. Will you pray with me? All right, dear God, thank you so much for showing us each and every day that you are a loving God to everyone, no matter what they believe in or where they come from. Amen. Uh, quite the drama team here at uh, Church of Homes. We are blessed, aren't we, with so many generations who are able to share with us the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have been taking our journey through, the Luke's, through Luke's gospel and hearing various stories 
about Jesus and from Jesus concerning uh, the good news of God's great love for us. We, were, we are taking a look at this through the theme of It's Bigger Than You and thinking about how God's great love goes even not just through us but beyond us to a world that yearns to know of God's good love. Last week we took a look at the Sabbath and Jesus teaching the scribes and the Pharisees that the Sabbath is maybe bigger than them and that there is uh, others to be included in the merciful grace and healing of Christ. Today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 7 and uh, we heard uh, an enactment of this story but let us hear it again as it comes to us from the gospel according to Luke. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and the centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. And when they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him to say, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. In Dodie Smith's great children's novel, The 101 Dalmatians, which was followed years, decades later, by the Disney movie of the same title, Cruella DeVille manages to steal a litter of 15 Dalmatian puppies from a household, in particular from their canine mother and father, Pongo and Mrs., because she wants to make out of them a Dalmatian skin coat for herself. She has swept them away out of London to a dark mansion about 100 miles outside of London and Suffolk. The human beings in the story are at a loss as to what to do, as to how to track these puppies down, and that's when Pongo and Mrs. go to work setting up the twilight bark. In the story, the twilight bark is this communication chain from dog to dog that human beings find rather annoying. Their dogs apparently barking at nothing at twilight. 
But what they don't know is that in the twilight bark, an important message is being delivered from one dog to the next, from one neighborhood to the next, from one town to the next, from one breed of canine to the next, from Dalmatian to German Shepherd to Poodle to Schnauzer to Terrier to Great Dane. It doesn't matter the breed. What matters is that there is a dog in trouble, in this case, 15 dogs, and help is needed to find them. One dog barks to another dog, barks to another dog, all on behalf of their fellow dogs who are in trouble. The twilight bark. The twilight bark is what came to mind when 20 years ago I was leading a tour of folks to Israel, and we were in Jerusalem. This was the day when the tour was to go to the old city, and we were to make our way down the Via Della Rosa, the way of the cross. There were 50 of us, and shortly after we got started, one of our 50, I will call her Sally, took, one of those quick, took on one of those quick and virulent stomach viruses. Sally was really sick and couldn't go on and needed to go back to the hotel, but there were 50 of us being led by just one guide. The bus had left us for the day. How is this going to work? This was before cell phones. Yes, there was a time before cell phones. <laughs> so it wasn't e as easy to make a Uber call. What to do? Now, our guide had been guiding a long time. She knew the city like the back of her hand, and she had friends, mostly shopkeepers, spread across the four quarters of Jerusalem. Most of you know that the old city of Jerusalem is divided into quarters, the Jewish quarter, the Muslim quarter, the Armenian quarter, and the Christian quarter. She had friends in all the quarters, and so she told our group to stay put for 15 minutes while she took care of Sally. And what she did is she took Sally to her closest shopkeeper friend in the Jewish quarter and said to him that she needed to get, him, get Sally back to her hotel outside of Jerusalem, and could he pass Sally over to her friend in the Muslim quarter and tell him to pass her along to her friend in the Christian quarter and then ask that friend to get her into a taxi so she could get to her hotel outside of the city. Now, I'm not sure what Sally thought about all this, but when you have a stomach virus, you know, any help will be welcome. So into the care of very different strangers, Sally was placed with every little bit of hope and trust she had, and sure enough, from one very different neighbor to the next, from the Jewish quarter to the Muslim quarter to the Christian quarter, Sally got delivered back to the comfort of her hotel, and in particular, the comfort of her hotel commode. <laughs> Not quite the twilight bark, this was the human chain. Our American sister is ill. And despite our quarters, despite our cultures, despite our ethnicities, we will see that she gets to where she needs to be. Now, all this comes to mind when I think of the story I just read about this Galilean town called Capernaum. It's not a very big town up near close to the Sea of Galilee, but not unlike a lot of Palestinian towns back in the day, it was a town that had a lot of divides. 
since Palestine was an occupied territory of the Roman Empire, there existed within a town like Capernaum some inherent tensions between Romans and Palestinians, the occupiers and the occupied. There existed tensions between the Jews and the Gentiles, and there existed tensions between the free and the slave, Gentile slaves, Jewish slaves. So there were all sorts of reasons not to get along. But strangely, there seemed to be some getting along, some getting along. It turns out there was a certain fondness that sprung up between the folks at the local synagogue and the Roman centurion down the road. Hear that. The local synagogue and the Roman centurion, Jew, Gentile, occupied, occupier, civilian, military, somehow, someway, a fondness broke out. It was the centurion who had helped his good Jewish neighbors to build their synagogue. Some of us have been to Capernaum and have stood on top of that very foundation of that synagogue that the centurion helped build. Maybe he helped dig the footings. Maybe he procured some building materials. Maybe he was the foreman of the project. Maybe he got the permits approved by the county. But the good folks from the synagogue <laughs> were grateful for their Gentile occupier friend. And so it was this gratitude that quickened their hearts when they got the word that the centurion's slave, for which he held also a certain fondness, was ill unto death. What can we do? Is it possible, the centurion asked, if the rabbi Jesus can do something? There had been reports of his healing touch. So on behalf of the Gentile occupier, friend, and his slave, the Jews, the Jewish elders, interceded with Jesus and asked if he could do something. So across all the divides, across all the quarters, Jesus makes his way. And that's when he comes across a crowd of Gentile, the Gentile community, friends of the centurion, bringing message from the Romans, the man of certain rank, that he was not worthy to even have the rabbi come under his roof. He believed, though, nonetheless. Jesus, he said, just give the command. Just give the command. I know about commands. Just give the command, and you can make my slave well. Now, to this request comes from Jesus a curious response, not having laid eyes on the centurion, not seeing face to face the slave. Jesus turns to the crowd and says simply this, I tell you, not even in Israel have I seen such faith. Now, to be sure, Jesus is speaking of the faith of the centurion, whose desperate faith is willing to believe that even the upstart rabbi could possibly do something for his friend. Not even in Israel have I seen such faith. But don't you wonder if Jesus is speaking to more than that? Because in, in between Jesus and the centurion and his slave, there is this chain, right? This human chain, this twilight bark that has somehow transcended all the possible divides and quarters and cultures and stations of life. Oh, they may most certainly have believed in Jesus, but they have most certainly believed in each other. Not even in Israel have I seen such faith. 
Maybe this is the story that Peter has in mind when a couple of years later he gets a word about the centurion way up in Caesarea who wants to see him. A Gentile, a Roman, an occupier, a military man, and Peter is prompted by the Holy Spirit to go and see him. And when he gets there, Peter is quick to remind him, you know, you know, it's out of bounds for me to be here to associate with a Gentile, a Roman, an occupier, a military man. You know, it doesn't doesn't get much worse than this. The Grand Canyon couldn't be any wider, but somehow it is the Holy Spirit who wants somehow for us to be links in the chain, to experience a transcendent fondness. For God shows, Peter says to the centurion, God shows no partiality. There is a transcendent fondness seeking to be at work here. That while there are different races and different cultures and different ethnicities and different stations of life, different breeds, it is our common creator who has, who has made us into a common humanity. It makes me think of the account in Sebastian Younger's book, A Perfect Storm. Some of you have read this or seen the movie where he describes the devastation of the century's worst storm that came up the eastern seaboard back in October of 1991. And in it, he tells of a helicopter rescue attempt to save out of the Atlantic Ocean a small sailboat and its crew. And in the storm are forced to ditch their own craft right off the coast of New Jersey. And when the word gets out that there is a rescue crew that has ditched their helicopter in their attempt to save another crew who are lost at sea, Younger describes what happens. Quote, within minutes of the ditching, rescue assets from Florida to Massachusetts are being readied for deployment. The response is massive and nearly instantaneous. At 9.48, three minutes into it, Air Station Cape Cod launches a Falcon jet and an H-3 helicopter. Half an hour later, a Navy P-3 jet at Brunswick Naval Air Station is requested and ready. A Coast Guard cutter, the Tamra, has diverted the helicopter, has been diverted before the helicopter has even gone down. At 10.23, Boston requests a second Coast Guard cutter, the Spencer. They even even consider diverting an aircraft carrier. All this for what? For a small crew of fellow human beings. No color check. No nationality check. No political party check. Just a small crew of human beings. The human chain the twilight bark. Colson Whitehead's recent and most compelling novel, The Underground Railroad, tells the tale of Cora and Caesar, African-American slaves in the days before the Civil War, and how in their desperate run from bondage, they meet up with people of a different color who serve as stops on the Underground Railroad. And we know enough about our history to know how these human beings at stations along the Underground Railroad, houses, barns, churches, these human beings put themselves at the greatest danger 
when it came to their fellow human beings. One link in the chain connecting to another, linked in their common humanity, born out of a common creator, not even in Israel have I seen such faith. It should be no surprise then to hear the research completed recently by Dr. Eilat Fishback of the University of Chicago, who reports that when people are in conflict and sit down at a common meal, and more importantly, share a common food, she reports that they are more likely and are more quickly to find agreement than when they don't. That when they see each other share the same sustenance, the same food, they see in each other a common humanity. And maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he gathered his disciples at table to eat with him from their common meal. Nothing like breaking bread to get beyond the petty denials, the petty arguments, the petty betrayals. Their common Passover Seder now handed to us as the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup. It doesn't get any more basic than that. But in our common feast, a common humanity, a common hunger, a common thirst. At this table, there is no culture, there is no class, there is no color, there is no nationality, there is no citizen, there is no non-citizen, there is no orientation, no partiality. Instead, a transcendent fondness, neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. For we are one in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus is one for the world. And maybe through that chain, through that twilight bark, that transcendent fondness comes healing from the good physician.
from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Scripture tells us they shall gather at the feast of the Lord. And we gather here not because of where we have come from. We gather here because of who has invited us, the one who has chosen to love us, to love the world. And so we come together in our effort to experience this transcendent fondness, this yearning for God to love his people and for them to know that they're loved despite whatever they have done, despite whatever they will do. Jesus gathers us at table and says, you are welcome here. So friends, you are invited to come and be at this table with your neighbor, your neighbor close at hand and your neighbor far away. Come and find here the great communion of Christ, a communion that transcends all of our differences. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. When you do this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. We thank you, O Lord, that none of us needed to get it all right this week to be welcomed at this table. None of us needed to present a card or be a certain color. You welcome all of us to this table to find here these gifts of grace and love, these, this feast of forgiveness and mercy. And so we pray that as we seek communion with you through your Holy Spirit, that we would look each other in the eye and find that communion that you intend for us all. Oh Lord, bless us with your presence, fill us with your spirit, nourish us with this food, that we may discover again our life in Christ, the one who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved of God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let us give thanks to God in prayer. We give you thanks, O God, for having fed us with this holy meal. Now we pray that you will send us out into the world to be your love and grace with all we meet in word and deed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.